Well, if you've closed your, uh, your Bible, feel free to take it out again and have that open. Um, does anybody want to call out the page number, please? 1181. 1181. Thank you. I'll have, it'll all be on screen as well, but it is good to look along uh, in the Bibles. Uh, let's pray as we come to God's Word uh, together again. Father, thank you so much for speaking to us. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you that you love us so much that you speak truth into our lives. Uh, Lord, we pray for this time now, opening this first part of Titus, that you will uh, speak deeply and richly into our beings, uh, Lord, so that we become healthy Christians. And we pray not only for this sermon, but across this whole series, that you will accomplish your goodwill and your good purposes. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there have been many times during my life when I have been on a quest for health. Probably you can say I was a little bit of a health nut in my earlier days. Uh, I think I've tried just about everything, actually. In my uh, early teens, well, no, my late teens, sorry, in my early 20s, I thought the secret uh, was in getting big and lean and strong. And so uh, a lot of guys, like a lot of guys at that age, I lifted an awful lot of weights, drank all the protein shakes, I took weight gain supplements, and none of it worked. Okay, so I never did become a bodybuilder, but at least I got a lot of exercise in over those years. In my 20s, though, I moved from there to something of a little bit more of a natural approach to health. But again, in my way, I probably took that a bit too far as well. The trail running, rock climbing, probably good choices for exercise. But the radical diets the naturopathic doctors had me on were just extreme. So if you know anything about elimination diets, then you take that and you push it several degrees further again. That's the kind of stuff that I was into trying to be super, super healthy. As I said, over the years, I have tried just about everything. Different diets, exercise plans, doctors who work with very, very different systems of medicine. But you know, I think the weirdest thing I've ever tried was this detox drink. It was made out of three ingredients. Well, four if you include water. Lemons, cayenne pepper, and maple syrup. Don't ask, okay? So thankfully, though, thankfully I have, I'm much wiser now, and uh, I have a bit more sense these days. But, you know, I'm not alone, am I? Uh, there are endless diets out there. There is no lack of exercise plans or supplements or professional advice. I mean, you, just, you can just trip over, turn around, and there it is. And yes, there are many reasons why people pursue this kind of thing. But you know what? Really what it comes down to is many are looking for health. So I've got good news for you today. All the stuff that I've learned about diet and exercise I'm going to give to you right now. No, I'm not, actually. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to spare you from that. I'm going to save you from that. But I'm going to share something better. I'm going to help us all to begin to truly invest in our health. Because as we open up Titus, as we kick off a new series today, we're going to look at spiritual health. Here the Apostle Paul helps us to see what the healthy Christian looks like. And the first thing that we see in today's passage is that the healthy Christian... Is this working? There we go. Here we see that the healthy Christian is growing. The healthy Christian is growing. So uh, look at the first verse with me, please. Again, it's on screen as well. It says there, as Paul begins, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. Notice how Paul describes himself. 
He is God's worker for the faith of God's elect. Okay, he is God's worker. Uh, another translation puts this as to build up the faith. See, Paul is an apostle not only so that people come to faith, but so that they grow in that faith as well. And this knowledge of the truth that we see written there as well, it can't be just head knowledge when we stand back from that verse. Uh, the point of Paul's letter here, it's not just to give information. Because the end of this verse has those other important words, leads to godliness. See, it leads to change. As Paul ministers with the gospel, he wants to see a change in the person and in their character. He wants to see them become more godly. So putting all of this together, and I know we're only in verse 1 still, uh, the healthy Christian is one who grows because faith is built up. There's growth in knowledge of the truth, and that then leads to becoming more like Jesus. And so then, as we kick off this series, I want us to ask ourselves a very important question. Am I growing as a Christian? As I look at my walk with Jesus across the years, is there a difference from then until now? Now, as I ask this, I know that the answers across this church today are going to be mixed. Okay, some of you can actually see change. You can see growth. That excites you. It's, you know, it's encouraging. Uh, some of you, though, might be elsewhere. You might be feeling frustrated because you feel like you're in a dry place or a dark patch. And for others, maybe this is the first time you've ever asked yourself this sort of question. So what I want to say is this. If you find that question challenging, please don't beat yourself up over it. We all go through various seasons. God works on us in different ways, at different paces. There will be ups and downs in every single Christian life. But if Paul's goal for these early Christians was growth, if that's true for every Christian in every era... Hang in there for this series and ask God to show you what growth might look like in your life. Because, see, it is part of the healthy Christian life. And I want us to notice one more thing about it. There's nothing passive happening here. If we stand back and we look at the big picture, uh, Paul, he is investing into Titus for the sake of these people. And the big thing that he wants Titus to do is to put strong, godly leaders in place to straighten out that church. And we're going to spend a little bit more time on that next week, but now let me share just a little bit of the backstory as we get into this part of the Bible. Who is this Titus, anyway? Putting together the biblical picture, it looks like he came to faith during Paul's missionary work and he became a faithful and dearly loved co-worker. Okay, he's mentioned a whole bunch of times in Scripture in the New Testament. He's mentioned in very encouraging ways and especially in Corinthians. And it seems that Paul, towards the end of his life, he left Titus on the island of Crete to continue gospel ministry. But the thing is, though, it doesn't read like Crete was a very good place at all. Later in this letter, actually later in this chapter, Paul describes the people there as evil, talks about them as lazy liars. Not very encouraging, is it, those words? Uh, there's messed up leadership in this church. There's uh, poor teaching. And so Paul says that Titus' job is to straighten out what's crooked. That's going to mean putting strong leadership in place to witness to and to teach the people. 
But see, again, that's not passive, is it? Titus is to build up the leaders. The leaders then are to build up the people. And as the church and its people grow, then more leaders are raised up. And that is a pattern that's expected to continue all throughout church history up to today. Because, see, there is something very deliberate happening here. But then again, isn't that the nature of the Christian life? I mean, are we supposed to just show up at church on a Sunday and we hope that something rubs off on us? Now, now yes, God is the key worker. Okay? But the repeated message in the Bible is that we are called to live out who we are, you know, who, who he's making us to be. You know, Jesus saves us by his grace. We, we had to keep coming back to that. But we're called to good works as a result of that, as Taeyong said as he opened up the service for us today. We are saved for good. And so then when it comes to today's church, there is a healthy way for us to approach it. The great news is that we can choose to come as active recipients, if I can put that kind of language around it. See, Christianity is full of hope because God is in the business of changing us. Because he delights to do that, we can actually come to church with this sort of mindset. Now, I'm going to sit under God's word so that it will shape my life. I'm coming to be in fellowship with my church family, with brothers and sisters. I'm here to worship God with my life and in song. I'm here to pray and bring praise and thanks and needs before my Heavenly Father. Why? Because God is up to something. Now, again, remember, sometimes growth is very slow. Sometimes it's even through painful trials. There are ups and downs. But God is changing us towards godliness. His goal is to make us more like Jesus. That's the, that's the foundation that Paul lays out right in his opening sentence of this letter. But isn't that a great way to approach church and approach the Christian life? We see from Paul here that the healthy Christian is one who's growing. A second thing that we see here is that the healthy Christian also rests in God's sovereignty. I'm going to give you a, a warning. There's a typo in there. We can pretend that's not there, okay? Um, you know, he, the healthy Christian also rests in God's sovereignty. And uh, Paul brings this out in a couple of different ways. And one is in a very important word that we read in that first verse. Did you notice how the Christian is described, the wording that Paul chose there? He said that his goal is to build up God's elect. Or to say this another way, those God has chosen for salvation. So I need to ask, what do you think of the concept of God choosing? Because see, it can often be misunderstood. Back in one of my previous churches, there was a man who often kept coming back to the idea of election when we discussed ministry. And so if we were, say, talking about evangelism, we were talking about reaching out into the community, uh, he'd often come back with a statement about, well, you know, it all depends on whether they're, you know, chosen or not, if they're elect or not. Don't get me wrong, this man was a faithful servant. He was a godly man. His heart was in the right place, okay? But it never sat well with me the way he kept coming back to election in that way. And I think the reason is that I don't believe the point of it is to give us a timeline that we keep tracing through chronologically. I don't think that's why God tells us that in the Bible. It might be true theologically, but the Bible gives us another baseline 
grasping the Christian faith. He gives us another starting place. And it's actually here in the greeting in verse 4. Look with me, please. Grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Savior. The baseline is the gospel itself. Jesus saves us by his gracious work, not because we've earned it, not because we deserve it. It's his death and his resurrection, his finished work that brings us peace with God, forgiveness of sins and eternal life. That's the starting point for thinking about the Christian life and the outreach of the church. Besides, as we think about God's sovereignty, his control over the big picture, uh, we see in verse 2 that this growing faith and we see that this knowledge, it rests on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. See, the idea of having been chosen by God in eternity past, it's not a piece of theology to be embarrassed by. Now, what we see here is that it shows us the loving character of, and faithful character of God. He makes a choice and he sees it through. Election shouldn't steer us away from doing ministry or reaching out, but instead it should drive us. The healthy church will reach out with the message of truth because it knows that God has set apart some for salvation when they hear it. If we weren't looking at this passage now, talking about it in this way, and I asked you to tell me what hope is, I'd bet many of us would say that it's when we wish something might turn out a certain way. That's how we use the word hope, isn't it? And so let's say we have a family get-together coming up at a local park on the weekend. What might you say during the week before? Oh, well, I, I hope it doesn't rain on Saturday. Or we'd say, oh, look, I really hope my sister can get the day off work because it'd be such a shame if she'd miss out. We generally use the word hope when we're unsure, don't we? We even have a, a phrase for when things look impossible, but we still look ahead and we say, oh, we hope against hope. You know, you know that phrase? But the Bible doesn't use the word hope in that way, ever. Our hope is certain because we have an eternal God. And our salvation, it's grounded in eternity past, and it stretches into an eternal future. And so the healthy Christian has this perspective. I am a chosen child of God. By grace, he has known me before I ever came into being. My salvation is secure. I'm bound for eternity, or bound for glory, as we, as we sang in the song earlier. In fact, I'm already tasting eternal life because I've been raised up with Christ on high. So please, let's not ever be a church that's weary of the doctrine of election or, or quick to gloss over it. Let's never accuse God of being unfair because not all are chosen. Right now, we are finite creatures with finite minds. We only get just a little glimpse of eternity and God's sovereignty. But God tells us enough to know that he is good. And he is gracious and he is faithful in all of this. So what do we do then? We praise him for that grace and we ask him to extend that same mercy to others. See, as we do that, as we rest in God's sovereign grace, it gives us freedom then to invest in what really matters. The healthy Christian knows then, well, this life is not all there is. And it gives us freedom to pursue what's really, really valuable. So along with a, a desire, for example, to spend quality time with our family, we set aside time to pray for them. 
despite the, the busy life of 2019 Sydney, we build in enough space to, to be a church and to can seriously consider how I can be involved too. And we've spoken a lot about rosters here lately at EPC. Uh, maybe the question isn't so much, well, what gaps can I fill? But more so, well, what bit of kingdom work can I invest into? What can I, what can I do out of love for Christ and his people? Maybe this will be seen in our generosity. And of course, to come back to growth, maybe this means aiming for something more than just modern-day self-improvement techniques. Maybe we can invest in what really matters by starting our day with a very simple question. How can I grow in Jesus today? Simple but powerful question. But we see, don't we, that the healthy life, or the healthy Christian life, is not haphazard. There's an aiming for spiritual growth. There's a a resting in the wonderful, eternal, and secure promises of God. And finally, as we explore these opening words from Paul, we see that the healthy Christian life is built on the Word. It's built on the Word. So let's look at verse 3, please. There Paul writes, And that his appointed season... He brought his word to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior. Think about what Paul is saying here. The growth, the eternal hope that he has just been talking about, they are revealed, they are achieved through the preaching of God's word. This is very significant. Think again for a moment about how Paul described himself in the opening words. He said that he was a slave And he was an apostle. That means that he's on about God's work and not his own. But at the same time, he's a messenger. His whole self-identity is about bringing news from and about someone else. And if we look closely at the, the verse that we just read and at the one that's still on the screen there, we see that there's another important word. Have a look. It's the preaching of this truth that is in Oops, sorry that is entrusted to him. It's been entrusted. That means that he can't add to it or soften or change or do anything with the gospel that Jesus has given to him to share. And that means a couple of things for us as we think about our spiritual health. One is that we can never move on from the gospel. Yes, as we grow, we find that our understanding of the Bible will grow. Yes, we become more familiar with its storylines and with its theology. And all of that's very good. That's wonderful. But it's never a case of knowing the gospel or knowing the Bible and say, well, now I just move on from there. Scripture always keeps pointing to Jesus and what he has done. It's not only a starting point, it's a foundation for the rest of our Christian life practical way this has worked out for me is in the refreshing of my faith. Now, yes, I've been a Christian for decades. Uh, I've been a minister who handles the Bible with others all of the time. Uh, But let me tell you that anyone can become a bit dry. The busyness of this world, family demands, even the needs of a church can take up an awful lot of space. One thing that I have found helpful at times like this is to remind myself that whatever is happening My relationship with Christ is the core of who I am. And so I make sure that I'm sitting with him. I'm sitting before him. And for me, that can be uh, something as simple as spending extra time in one of the Gospels. 
just to get back to the core of who I am in Christ. See, it is never healthy for us to say, oh, look, I know all of that. Read that passage 50 times. Oh, I've even preached on that one. I never need to look at that one again. You know, I, you know, time for something new. That is not healthy. But it is always healthy to ask this question. Is my life being built on the entrusted message? That's what we want to see. And so then another way that this will work out for us is how we approach coming to church and, and sitting under the word. Again, I think it's very significant that Paul uses the word preach here when he's talking about sharing this truth. Not too long ago, we bought one of the best things we've ever had for maintaining our home. Uh, we purchased one of those Roombas, you know, those robot, robot vacuums. These things are brilliant. Okay, you know, it's a little round thing. You set up in this docking station. You put it in a room. You know, you press a button. Wow, it goes on its own. It sucks up all the dust and pet hair and everything. Fantastic. It does a decent job. It has its place. I'm glad we bought one. But you know what? It can never do as good a job as I can do when I vacuum myself. Maybe it's just me, okay, because I'm a bit particular in those ways. If I'm aiming to vacuum well, I'll change the heads, you know, if it's carpet or if it's a hardwood floor. Um, you know, I'll change the settings on the vacuum cleaner. I'll use a little attachments for getting to the corners and crevices. I won't tell you if I've read the manual or not. That's, that's private information, you know. But, but what's the difference between me vacuuming and the Roomba? The Roomba is helpful. It's a good tool but it's a one-size-fits-all approach. If we pop it down on the carpet right there, or we pop it in our front room and press the on button, it will do exactly the same thing. It has no concept of its surroundings at all. But my manual vacuuming is focused. It's deliberate. It's sort of like that when we sit under God's word. So as we start this series today about healthy church, I want to say something very practical. In my opinion, a strong way to aim for health is to make it a priority to be at church so we can sit under the preaching of God's word together. See, in God's design for his church, he has set apart some people as teachers, and there's a reason for that. See, the preaching of the word is something special. It's a focused exploration of God's truth. It's like we're taking out all the little tools to get into the crevice. We're paying attention to the surrounding. That's not a one-size-fits-all approach. It's a focused opening of the word in a certain place, at a certain time, in a certain context for a particular gathering of God's people. Have you ever thought about preaching like that? That's what it is. It's so important for us to be doing this together. Now, don't get me wrong, other ways that we engage with the Word have their place. They can be good. Reading the printed manuscripts can be a helpful thing. Listening to the sermons online or, or podcasting them, that can be fantastic. And especially for those who can't be at church. There are good reasons why people aren't here on a Sunday. They're frail or homebound or sick or, or traveling or, or whatever that might be. For some people, that's the best they can manage. That's okay. But the model, the good model that Paul is beginning to open here in Titus is that people are being raised up as leaders and they'll be preachers and they'll be sharing the truth in this deliberate and focused way. This entrusted message is being passed on, not as a one-size-fits-all, just take this information. And it's this preached message that's going to transform this crooked church here in Crete towards godliness.
And so for us then, if we want to aim for the best health that we can, well, we should make it a priority to, to be at church whenever that's practically possible. Not only to gather with, with church family and to worship God, but to have that heart of sitting together under God's truth, a truth that's aimed at growing us as a family of believers. Because again, God, the wonderful hope is that he is up to something, that he delights in changing us. His goal is healthy believers. God's goal is not anything goes. He wants healthy churches. Far more than fad diets and crazy exercise routines, in Titus we're going to see what it's truly like to be healthy, to be spiritually healthy. And we start with this picture. Growing, resting in God's sovereignty, and having our lives built on the Lord. Will you pray with me, please? And as we pray, we're going to close the service with this prayer as well. Father, we do thank you for these words that Paul penned and, and gave to Timothy, uh, sorry, to Titus. And uh, Lord, we thank you that uh, we see there, even in these first opening verses, that you have a wonderful plan in store for your people and for your church. And so, Father, we ask that by your mercy and by the work of your spirit in us that we will be people who are growing. Lord, even in the tough times, even through the tough times, that we will be people who have that picture of eternity and can rest in your wide, gracious, sovereign picture. And that we will be people whose lives are built on the word, be transformed by it. Father, we ask that you will do that among us here today, but we also... We boldly come before you and we ask for our whole church and this whole series that you will do wonderful things. And we ask that when we finish this series on Titus that we will not be the same as when we began because you are up to something good. We praise you that we are saved for doing good. So we commit each other and our time in Titus into your hands. In the great name of Jesus, amen.